This whole sermon that we're going to do today is on generations, how we teach one generation to the next. And every generation that we have alive today is present in this room. And one day, every generation that has ever lived will exalt the Lord Most High in eternity forever. Amen? Now, I'm going to tell you this. Before, before we pray, I felt such a heavy burden over today's sermon. My dreams have been disturbed. My heart has been heavy. Distractions have hit me left and right. That's how I know that today's message is for you. The devil does not want you to hear it. And one of the things I like to imagine when God's people come into church is that all the distractions, all the heaviness, all the burdens that you carry, they hit their heads on the door because they're not allowed in. But they sit outside. They stand outside and they wait for you like this. They wait for you to finish service. So that as soon as you're done lifting your hands and exalting the Lord Most High, you can come back outside, lean over, and they could all jump on again. But when we sit here and worship and we sing songs like this, it's not just about freedom for us. It's about the glory of God bringing freedom to the world. So let us pray together today. And as we pray, I would like you, please, extend your hand to me. And extend one hand up to the Lord. I know we don't do this a lot. We don't do hand positions at church. But I want you to receive from the Lord. But also please pray for me. Because my heart has been heavy for you today. Lord, we exalt you. We thank you, God, that you are worthy above all gods to be exalted. You are worthy above all things to be exalted. And even in the song before this, Lord, we said nothing else will do. We just want you. But Lord, for so much of your church, for so many of us, that's not true. We can name the things that get in the way. We can name what's waiting for us outside those doors. But today, Lord, we pray for victory in Jesus' name. We pray for freedom in Jesus' name. We are your people, people of the Most High God. We are sons and daughters of light. Darkness has no authority in us. Lord, to you be the glory today, we pray. Holy Spirit, we thank you for your presence in this service already. But we pray, Lord, for an outpouring today as we hear your word. To you and you alone be the glory in Jesus' name. And God's people said. God's people said. That sounds like an army. I'm getting emotional. I got to take a sip of water. <clears throat> All right, church, good morning. I love you guys. It's a real pleasure to be here with you this morning. For those of you who are joining us at home, it's a pleasure to have you join in. I said right before the prayer that this is going to be about generations, but the actual title of today's sermon is the Word of God. I was asking God, I said, Lord, what is it that you want me to preach about? What is it that's burning on your heart for your people? What section of Scripture? I was like, is it a psalm? Is it a verse? He goes, a little more than that. All right, is it a book? Is it a section? A little more. Is it like a testament? Keep going. I was like, it's the whole thing? The whole thing. I was like, how am I supposed to preach about the whole thing? He goes, you just keep seeking me, and I'll show you what to do. So today's whole sermon is on the Word of God, and how much time do we spend eating it, following it, allowing it to change who we are, allowing it to be what defines us? Because there's a lot of things that define us. 
There are a lot of voices out there. There are many teachers. There are a lot of things that we adhere to. I'm a this, I'm a that, I do this, I do that. I'm also a Christian. But if Christian is not the defining characteristic in your life, somewhere along the way, you have misread the word of God. That goes for me too. Somewhere along the way, when I get distracted, even things like I'm a pastor or I'm a children's pastor or I live at the church, that shouldn't be the first thing out of my mouth. I'm a believer in God most high. I'm a follower of the way of the Lord. How many of you have been following the Olympics? Do you have any Olympic fans in here? Or you, you know, half the church is like, yeah, Olympics. The other half's like, were you not here last year? There's other things going on. Like there's some serious stuff happening. How are you watching the Olympics? I only got to watch a couple, but it's amazing. These guys and gals, they get out there and they just are at the top of their game. And none of them like showed up at a wannabe Olympics convention, read a book. They didn't take a class and go, you know what? They're going to be an Olympian one day. They devoted every second of their life to that. And there's all different shapes, right? You're like, that person's an Olympian? And then you see their sport. You're like, whoa, that person's an Olympian. Because we don't all look the same, depending on the gifts God's given us. They've devoted their life to the thing that they love. And now you get to see them portrayed before all the world. Look at the best. Look at what it means to be this, a swimmer, a diver, a runner. How well do we train in the word of God? Please hold up your Bibles. I know a lot of you are going to hold up your phones. It's going to feel like a concert. You're like, we love you, Pastor Michael. And I appreciate the love. But if you don't have a Bible, there's one in the pew in front of you. I actually grabbed one myself so that you guys can see I'm using the same one. Yep, let's hold this up. And I want to pray over it before we, again, before we continue, because we're going to be using this a lot. Lord, we thank you for this word. We thank you that you did not forget us when we fell. You have been speaking every second since that time, Lord. And you have given men of God your words to write down, Lord. You have preserved it for us today. We can confidently hold it and read it and know that it is you who speaks through us. We thank you for your word. Bless the reading of your words today, we pray in Jesus' name. Amen. Let me tell you a couple things about that Bible. One, it didn't just drop out of heaven. There are some religions that believe that their holy texts came right out of heaven. We do not believe that. We believe that God uses humans, messy humans, to write things down in very messy times when they have no idea what's going on because he's telling them in those times, I'm still with you. I'm going to use you no matter what. And in fact, you think that this is the worst time ever, but what you're going through is going to bless somebody one day. So write it down. Write it down. Faithful men and women have given their lives over thousands of years. Millions of Christians have died to bring you the preserved word of God. And many men and women today continue to make sacrifices daily, some with their lives, to translate and to bring God's word to every nation, every tribe, every tongue in the world. Why? Why is it that important? I heard a joke one time. It goes, you know, if you were on a deserted island, I could give you one book to bring. What would you bring? And a buddy of mine, I'll never forget, it was the best answer ever. He goes, what book would I bring? I'd bring a giant inflatable book with a motor. What are you talking about? He's like, get off the island. He's an engineer. That's an engineer's mind for you. It's like, I don't know, how do you get off? But a lot of Christians, they say, I'd bring a Bible. Well, why? 
Why, if you're going to be stuck on a deserted island, what, what, what compels us to say, I'll bring a Bible, I guess. We recognize that it's important, that it needs to be a part of our life, that for some reason, if we were on a deserted island and didn't have it, we'd be worse off than if we were on a deserted island dying with it. This book, we recognize its importance. But sometimes we forget that the Word of God is a lifestyle, a training. It's a training ground in righteousness to set us apart from the world around us. Do you have any Star Wars fans out there? There you go. Half of you are like, yeah, Star Wars. The other half's like, great, children's pastor. Here we go, another cartoon reference. Big Star Wars fan. And uh, last year they came out with a series, uh, a TV series called The Mandalorian. Any Mandalorian fans? Like, woo, you're like, I don't know, am I allowed to be in church? But I'll tell you, I'll raise my hand quietly. So yeah, I, I love The Mandalorian. It was a good show. And without going into it, giving anything away, for those of you who don't watch Star Wars, you're like, I come here to learn the word, Pastor. Let's get to it. The important part is this. There's this whole race of people. They're very Spartan-esque, you know? They're like, they got the hardcore helmets on. They have armor that can't be penetrated. They devote their entire lives to this ancient way that people kind of know about, but they don't really know about. And all throughout the show... These guys are constantly doing like insane things that nobody can do. And they're like, I don't think I can do it. And they'll look at another Mandalorian and they'll be like, this is the way. Do it. They look at anybody else like, yeah, no, you're definitely going to die. Don't do that. But when they look at other Mandalorians, they're like, I don't know if I could do it. They go, this is the way. You don't have a choice. You just do it. What does that sound like, folks? People who follow some ancient text ancient way that's completely foreign from the world around them, giving their lives literally every single week, giving their lives to make sure that it's preserved, that it's carried on. And I told my friends that I was like, Christianity was called the way before it was called Christianity. Like, I know we call it Christianity because of Christ, but it was originally called the way. How cool is that? And they're all like, yeah, Mandalorians are way cooler. I was like, no, man. I still hold that Christians are way cooler. And they're like, okay, preach about it someday. Here I am, preaching about it. Christians are cooler than Mandalorians. We've been doing it a lot longer. I hope I don't have any copyright infringements from Disney. That would not be fun. I, uh, I look forward every week to a Bible study with my friends. Yes, I'm a pastor, and yes, I'm in a Bible study. And I love it. Because we show up, we all know what the Bible says. We've all, I think everybody in the group has at least read through the Bible once. So we know what the Bible says, and we just show up and we read texts that we already know. We know them. But there's something about reading the Word of God with fellow Christians. Right now, we're reading through the Sermon on the Mount. And for you parents who are going to have your kids in service today, they're going to be learning about the Sermon on the Mount. So you can go home and read that with them. However... As we as adults read the Sermon on the Mount, we kind of know where it's going, but as we read it together, the Holy Spirit draws out of us, each of us, new things to discuss with one another, ways to look at it we've never seen it before. And then he also starts to pull out gifts. You start to notice that people have way more insight because of what the Holy Spirit's given to them than you ever thought they had or you ever thought you had. But the best part about it is after the Bible study. We still see each other throughout the week. We hang out, we call, we text. We keep talking 
about what we were chewing on that night. We keep saying, man, I can't believe it. I was reading this with you this night, and the next day the Holy Spirit gave me somebody to share it with. The Holy Spirit put me into a room where I had to know exactly what we all learned. Guys, the Spirit's trying to make us aware of what God has been saying for generations and two generations. And it's not enough to just know it, because we already know it. A lot of us in this room know at least portions of what God's Word says. But we need to train in it daily. Allow it to impact our life, our marriage, our kids. Are we putting to practice the things that God's Word said when it goes against everything else that we believe in? Do we hold to the way of Christ first? That's my question to you today. I remember growing up, my friends' moms and dads would always have this saying. They'd be like, listen, do as I what? Say, not as I. Oh, you all had the same friends, apparently. Or maybe you guys were the moms and dads. I don't know. But yeah, so do as I say, not as I do. Just for the record, that's not a Christian statement. You cannot find that in Scripture. In fact, I have the privilege of uh, doing baby dedications here at the church. I get to dedicate uh, all the children that people have, and it's always a lot of fun. And one of the verses that we always bring up is Proverbs 22, verse 6. Now, we're going to put it up on the screen, but just because we're talking about the Word of God, I actually want to find it and open up to it, and you can as well if you'd like. Proverbs 22, verse 6, and it says this, Train up a child in the way he should go, and when he is old, he will not depart from it. I'd like to give you some encouragement that some of you may have seen your child raise up, you raised them up, and then they did not go that way. Hold on to this promise. God will bring them back. And for those of you who are still raising children, let me encourage you. It doesn't say teach a child. The Hebrew here says train or instruct, and it's more than just teach. Teach is, I'll tell you, you do it, hopefully it sticks. Training's like a coach. Instructions like a coach. It says, watch me. Watch me. Let's do it together. When you train a child that way, they will not depart from it. Just like you guys. Some of you remember your favorite teachers, but there's something about the coaches you had. If you look at your coach, like I, Pat Stephen mentioned last week, if you were here, I was a wrestler. When I, if I see my wrestling coach, I'm so ashamed. I'm like, it happened. I He's like, yeah, it happens to all the guys. Like, oh, I know, but it happened to me. There's a shame there because I was trained to not do this, and it happened anyway. <laughs> I want to read this to you guys. God raised up a people to show the world who he was and to teach them his truth. These people would be trained in the ways of God from generation to generation. A royal priesthood and a holy nation to make sure they would never forget who he was or who they were. God had them write it down. Every person in Israel was to walk out the sacred scriptures and be a blessing to the world. We see this in Deuteronomy chapter 6, verses 4 through 9. Many times we know this as the Shema. There's a lot more to it, but I'm only going to read a section. It says, Hear, O Israel, the Lord our God, the Lord is one. You shall love the Lord your God with all your heart and with all your soul and with all your strength. And these words which I command you today shall be in your heart. 
You shall teach them diligently to your children and shall talk of them when you sit in your house, when you walk by the way, when you lie down, when you rise up. You shall bind them as a sign on your hand. They shall be as frontlets between your eyes. You shall write them on the doorposts of your house and on your gates. That sounds a lot more than just teaching. Every aspect of their life was to be drenched in the word of God. We're different from the world around us, son. Well, why, dad? Because of God's word. Well, what do you mean? For example, the world does this. We do that. The world says this. We say that. The world walks like this. We walk like that. That's how we're to train our children. But this is not what happened. Israel got distracted. All throughout scripture, we see this. Immediately after being given God's word, Moses has to correct the people in the wilderness from idolatry. They were all excited about the blessings God had, but they didn't want to give up what they already knew. A holy change was coming, but they did not want to get rid of what they loved, even though it was enslaving them, literally. Samuel rebukes the people for asking for a king when they feared their country would be taken away. Immediately after being given a country by God, they're blessed. Every tribe has their land. Every man has his home. Every family has an inheritance. They're blessed, holy priests, the whole nation of them, and they have the word of God to live by. God is their king. But they look around them at the political, economic situation and go, I think it'd be better to have a king other than God. I think we should have an actual king. And Samuel says, no, do you not know who you are? You are the people of the most high God. Yeah, but we don't want to lose our country. Who do you think gave you the country? Follow God. Nah, we'll do this. And it was literally just like, it was like political parties of the time. It was judges. And here's what judges says at the end. Every man did what was right in his own eyes. Be like a friend come over and go, hey, I know everybody kind of wants a king, but I don't know how I feel. I was reading God's word and it kind of said we should just have him as a king. I don't know. And the buddy's like, yeah, maybe we should consider that. He's like, all right, great. I'm gonna go home and talk to my wife. The second he leaves, the guy turns around, looks at his wife, goes, can you believe this guy? A king's gonna be so much better. The word of God wasn't resonating the way that he meant it to resonate. Josiah, one of David's descendants, is a king over Judah. One of the priests finds a missing text that had been lost, and he brings it to the king, and he says, look, we found the law of God. What do we do? The king immediately repents. He tells all the people of Israel, go and burn the idols. I'll personally go around and make sure they're all burned. We will again be a people of the word of God. Now, some of you might be thinking, yeah, well, whatever. They're burning wooden idols. Yeah, I know God doesn't like it, but they could always just carve another one. It wasn't like that. This would be like me burning your car or burning your boat. If I showed up and was like, yeah, you spend too much time on your boat. God, the king said to burn it so that we can start being people of God again. You'd be like, that's my boat, dude. Don't touch my boat. And Josiah's like, no, I don't want you to be a follower of the boat, an owner of the boat, a holder of the boat. I want you to be a man of God's word. So the king burnt everything. The only thing left was the temple of the living God. The prophets, time and time again, remind people what God's word says. And it starts to feel like Israel's literally just walking around like this. I'm trying to live my life. Stop talking to me. Please stop reminding me what God's word says. I just want God's blessings. And I look out at our church I look sometimes, even at my life, the decisions I make, and go, whoa, wait, I'm getting distracted. 
Lord, remind me who I am in you. This is why the enemy doesn't want us to hear this today. This is why it's so hard to bring this message to you today. The enemy wants you to ignore what's being said today, walk out and put those burdens back on your back. But God's people literally walk differently. Pastor Zarlingo always says, his, first of all, his ability to recall scripture is incredible. But another thing he says is if you don't read the Bible, you'll write your own. If you don't read the Bible, you will write your own. And that's exactly what Israel did. What about us? What about today? This is a gladius. The Romans used to use this when they fought other armies. And it's not meant to be wielded like fancifully in the air and kind of mano a mano, you and me, pick a spot and we duel to the death. They were to lock shield upon shield. And what it is, pull it out. It's not sharp. Relax. They'd pull it out and they would literally hold it like this. And they would hold their shield. But the most important thing was their stance. They'd all be in a line. And at the right time, the commanding officer would give a word. And all the men would open their shields. And they would not attack the person in front of them. They would attack the guy attacking their buddy. So the whole Roman line would go. And then back in. And they would advance step upon step, covering each other's back. Now, if I gave this to a Roman soldier and we, he walked up and down the aisles, you might be like, whoa, that guy's dangerous. But I still feel safe because I didn't do anything wrong. He's looking for somebody. But I'm not really afraid of the sword because he's holding it. I'm the children's pastor at this church. I know your kids. If I brought your kids in here and gave them this sword and just let them run around, woo, you'd be petrified. They're going to fall and hurt themselves. They're going to hurt a friend of theirs. They're going to hurt me. Some of us are doing that with God's word. This is a serious part of the sermon. Some of us do not know. We heard about it once. We listened to it once. We use it as a personal devotional in the morning, and that's as far as we get. We don't eat God's word. We're not a people of God's word. And we just use it like we're having fun, and we don't care who gets hurt. That is not why God gave us his word. We are to train in the words of God. If I told you you had to go have a surgery, and on your way into the surgery, you saw the surgeon, and just for kicks, we were like, hey, how many times have you done this? You're expecting him to say, oh, hundreds, don't worry. But he just looked at you, he's like, well, you know, I... Uh, took a class on it. I listened to a surgeon's podcast every week. I've been to a surgery worship night. Uh, my lead surgeon's a great surgeon teacher. You'd be like going under, wait, what? <laughs> what you want to hear is your surgeon look at you and say, I've trained under the best in the world. And let me encourage you. Pastor Zarlingo is one of the best teachers I've ever met. The pastors on this staff are some of the best pastors I have ever worked with. But they're not up here for kicks. We're not up here like, boom, God's word. Ta-da, have a great day, see you later. We teach you these things because men of God taught us. You teach your children because men of God taught you, and you hope that one day they will teach their children just as they've been taught. But you don't want to just speak it to them. Your kids shouldn't just see you reading your Bible in the morning and hope to God that worked. See you later. You should invite them in to read it, 
talk about it all the time. I'm so grateful that I had a mother who literally quoted scripture all day. If anything bad happens to me, I immediately recall a verse my mother told me. Anything good happens to me, I immediately recall a verse my mother told me. All the time. And anytime I just don't know what to do, I can hear mom going, get in the closet, wait for the rhema. All right, ma, I'm gonna go wait for the rhema word of God. My friends are all playing Nintendo. I'm waiting for a rhema word from God. But that marked my life. It marked my life. I have seen the blessings of God, even through the difficulties and all that I've done, because my mother was a woman of the word. We don't have a lot of time left. I just want to read to you an encouragement and a warning that Paul gave to a young pastor named Timothy. And we find it in 2 Timothy chapter 2. You could turn there if you want. If you don't want, it should be on the screen. 2 Timothy chapter 2, and then we're going to jump right over to chapter 3. Paul says, listen, you're going to have people who are going to teach others, and I want you to make sure that they know this. In verse 14, it says, remind them of these things, charging them before the Lord not to strive about words to no profit, to the ruin of the hearers. Be diligent to present yourself approved to God. This is 15. A worker who does not need to be ashamed rightly dividing the word of truth. Hebrews 4, verse 12 says that the word of God is living and powerful, sharper than any two-edged sword, piercing even into division of soul and spirit, of joints and marrow, and a discerner of the thoughts and intentions of the heart. I'd like to call the band up. While they're coming up, I want to ask you, are you excited about the training that God has for you? Because if you're just excited about amen, pastor, we heard the word, we're going to go home and read it. Be careful. Don't do this. Don't do this. God wants us to train in it, side by side, in our Bible studies, in our worship times, in our classes, in our families, in our marriages. In chapter 3, Paul says this to Timothy. And he's not talking about unbelievers. He's also talking about believers. Be warned if you're a believer listening to this today. I need to be warned reading this today. Listen to what it says. But know this, that in the last days, perilous times will come. For men will be lovers of themselves, lovers of money, boasters, proud, blasphemers, disobedient to parents, unthankful, unholy, unloving, unforgiving, slanderers, without self-control, brutal, despisers of good, traitors, headstrong, haughty, lovers of pleasure rather than lovers of God, having a form of godliness but denying its power. From such people turn away. For this sort are those who creep into households and make captives of gullible women loaded down with sins, led away by various lusts. Listen to this always learning and never able to come to a knowledge of the truth. We're called disciples, not just students. We're to walk like our rabbi walked, talk like our rabbi talked. We're to bless like he blessed. We are followers of an ancient way that God himself set for us. But it's not all dread. Paul ends the third chapter by saying this, starting in verse 10. But you, Timothy, 
you have carefully followed my doctrine, manner of life, purpose, faith, long-suffering, love, perseverance, persecutions, afflictions, which happened to me in Antioch, at Iconium, at Lystra, what persecutions I endured. And out of them all the Lord delivered me. Yes, and all who desire to live godly in Christ Jesus will suffer persecution. But evil men and imposters will grow worse and worse, deceiving and being deceived. But you must continue in the things which you have learned and been assured of, knowing from whom you have learned them, and that from childhood you have known the Holy Scriptures, which are able to make you wise for salvation through faith, which is in Christ Jesus. All Scripture is given by inspiration of God and is profitable for doctrine, for reproof, for correction, for instruction or training in righteousness, that the man of God may be complete, thoroughly equipped for every good work. I hear a lot of people come to me, they say, Pastor, I just can't hear God's voice. I can't hear him. I need to hear him so bad. My marriage is destroyed. My kids are a mess. I'm losing my job. I don't have money to pay the bills. I don't know what's going on. I just need to hear God. I was encouraged by somebody who said this to me. You want to hear God? Raise your hand if you want to hear God. Daily, like an audible voice. How many of you want to audibly hear God? Read the Bible out loud. Read the Bible. That's not a joke. Read the Bible out loud. He's been talking out loud for thousands of years. Let's stand together. Lord, I pray that as we head out of here, as we enter into this worship time and head out, that the next time we raise our Bibles, it would not be because we're excited about it, but we know what we're holding, Lord. We are holding the sword of your spirit. And that when we walk out of here, those burdens, that heaviness, those demons that await us would run away in fear because your children picked up finally the sword of the spirit and take the time now to be trained in its ways, to be a proper reflection of you for your glory and for your name and for their benefit, Lord. You gave us your word, Lord, that we might live righteously in our land. To you be the glory, we pray. Your glory and yours alone. Help us to be a follower of the way. In Jesus' name.